back to Japers Rink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to be joined by frequent guest, Ryan Stimson. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing all right, Adam. How are you tonight? You know what? I'm doing pretty well. Um, it's It's been a nice, relaxing last couple weeks. The uh, baseball season's in full effect. I don't have any Tom Wilson fights to watch, but we got Bryce Harper going after people, so it's like the hockey season never even ended. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, because you can't watch any more Tom Wilson on the ice because the Capitals got eliminated. So, yeah, that's uh, that is indeed what happens. <laughs> so, Ryan, you wrote a uh, a good article on hockey graphs. Um, it's a great article. Um, that doesn't sound like something I'd do. Well, when I had you on the Hockey Graphs podcast a couple weeks ago, you talked about the piece that led into this one. Uh, the piece we're going to talk about is improving opposition analysis by examining tactical matchups. Um, and you went in here and you talked specifically about the Capitals and Penguins series, about how maybe the Capitals were a little uh, predisposed to be outdone by this Penguins team due to their different play styles. Um, so, you know, first off, our listeners probably have heard it already, but what sort of styles did these two teams play? Uh, well, overall, they, they played similar styles um, offensively. Uh, as far as defensively, the Capitals actually graded out a lot better than the Penguins, and I think when you look at you know their roster top to bottom, and uh, especially on the back end, I don't think that you know surprises anyone. Um, so you know some of the styles. Just to quickly recap, you know what we talked about uh, on the Hockey Graphs podcast is you know there were four styles, four offensive styles, four defensive styles in Pittsburgh and Washington, both graded out in the the best offensive style, which is more of like a, a probing. Uh, multiple passing kind of rush chance offense. And so, um, you know, those teams that were clustered in that group had uh, a higher, you know, expected goal rate using passing metrics. Um, defensively, Pittsburgh graded out in the worst uh, just because I think, you know, that kind of team, you know, they want to get it forward all the time. And that they're, I think, content with giving up chances, knowing they're going to get more, which, you know, I don't really have a problem with. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you're having a positive differential, that's what you want. And Washington, um, grayed out was one of the better ones, uh, just because they were able to suppress a lot of those those quality chances as well. So, what happened during the playoffs? I mean, you you probably saw a lot of the series, and um, you know, Holpe obviously didn't have a, a great run against the Penguins, but a lot of people have said that the Capitals were giving up a lot of these supreme rush chances. Were the Capitals good at the regular season of preventing those kind of breakdowns? I mean, you've said that they, they were decent at it, and the Penguins were good at creating them, but um, was that just a true mismatch? Well, yeah, so, so that, that's what happened in this next piece. I, uh, I dug a little deeper, um, you know, before I looked at how teams performed across every team, you know, their season totals in our data. And then in the next one, I, I dug deeper into how they performed against each team, you know, in each matchup that uh, that we had data for. And the Pittsburgh and Washington, because we had a lot of data from last year's playoff series, we actually ended up having a little over 400 minutes of them going head-to-head. Um, you know, and again, matchups, they're significantly smaller samples. But, um, you know, when you have, you know, that unstoppable force with the uh, movable object, um you know, in far, as far as these two teams, um, you know, sometimes certain teams might just be able to execute a bit better. Uh, and that's what happened in our data. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, was one of the best teams against Washington across the league in terms of how they generated rush chances. So, you know, they didn't really have any hiccups or, or much slowdown 
um, you know, and what they wanted to do. Uh, and Washington definitely dropped off. Now, you know, having said all that, obviously, in, in small uh, sample size in a short playoff series, yes, there is a degree of luck that certainly plays into it. But um, I think you, at times, can, um, you know, you might be more predisposed to having swings of this magnitude um, based on the matchup um, because a lot of the chances that, you know, Holpe was facing were of the higher grade variety. Um, so, it, yes, luck plays a factor, but the way these two teams match up in our data and how they've graded out, um, you know, it's not 100% surprising that, um, you know, Pittsburgh's going moving on again. So, how, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's a fair question. How much of it do you put on, you know, bad luck or poor goaltending, and how much of it do you think was just the, uh, the matchup? Oh, I don't know if I had to, you know, if I had to assign like percentages, which one was which, you know, I don't know, I'd, I'd just be guessing and I don't want to do that. But, um, you know, I, I'll just say both certainly played a factor. I, I think, you, you know, because the reason I wrote this piece is because, you know, throughout the season, you know, National Hockey League, you have, you know, 82 games, you regularly have, you know, back-to-backs, you know, three games and four nights, you know, five games and seven or eight nights, Um so there's not a lot of time to really prepare for a team. You know, you might look at something real quick or seeing how they're doing over the last five or ten games and, <clears throat> you know, have a small plan in place. But when it comes to the playoffs, you know, it's, it's more, it's very consistent. It's very, um, you know, routine. You're having a game pretty much every other night against the same team for, you know, close to two weeks. And rosters aren't changing a whole lot. And I think it represents kind of a change in maybe how coaches prepare. They can really kind of drill down into something they want to expose, whether it's a matchup, whether it's a tactic. Um, and, and they can, you know, become a different team at times from maybe how they played in the regular season. Um, so I do think matchups, certainly quality competition, you know, how you structure your lines and, and your tactical approach to the game certainly play a greater role um, in a playoff series, um, but uh, but yeah, you can never ignore the, the fact that luck plays in small samples. That's why, you know, I'd much rather prefer you know crowning the team that wins at the end of the regular season and having like a separate, um, you know, like 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 I think we talked about this last time, like like in uh, you know European soccer, how they have small knockout style tournaments, but the big trophies won at the end of the season because the team you want to reward who did the best across the season rather than you know a two-week or two-month tournament. So. You know, man, it sounds good to me. I mean, all of a sudden, the Capitals are looking like one of the best teams of the last <laughs> decade. You know, they look great if we go by that criteria. Um, I mean, uh, we could talk... I mean, I could talk about how th- this series all day. Um, people are probably going to want to move on a little bit. Uh, Ryan, uh, you, you did this this piece about team styles, and you also had the player style piece. Um, you know, TJ Oshie really shine this year a lot of it was based upon a really high shooting percentage but um with him being gone the capitals are going to be looking for a new top line right winger um and it's not going to be justin williams probably because he the guy who's currently second right wing because he's probably going to be gone as well um so it looks like a guy like andre burakovsky might be moving up is there anything about the play style piece that would about individual players that would make you think that he'd be a good fit to play with a guy like backstrom um, so who would your top line be? It'd be Backstrom, Backstrom, Ovechkin, Ovechkin and, I mean, and Burakovsky. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you put Ovechkin on there, or you could also go with um, Marcus Johansson. You could go 
for the the Capitals ran a Trey Cronor line uh, to start the season, which dominated in terms of possession with uh, Johansson, Backstrom, and Burakovsky. Yeah, let me pull up. Uh, so Burakovsky, I mean, he graded out as probably one of the probably one of the really good to, to best uh, like balance type players. Um, you know, there was nothing he really lacked in. He was above average in um, you know the metrics that that I came up with that I used for the clustering for the playing styles. And those were, you know, how much a player shot, how dangerous some of those shots were, um, you know, how well they assisted in transition, you know, their primary shot assist, you know, things I've written about before that, um, you know, have been very valuable and, and predictive in, in forecasting player performance. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think, uh, I, I think he'd be, I think you'd be fine putting him in that role. I think Oshi, good player. I think, you know, with some of the young talent the the Capitals have, I think certainly replaceable. Um, I wouldn't, well, put it this way, I, I would not give him the money he's going to want on his next contract because as great a season he had and as good a player he is, you know, I think you can bring someone in, put him in that spot, and they won't miss a beat, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the Capitals... Really, I, it's tough because they're saying that they're close to signing a deal with Oshi, and I'm I'm looking at their salary cap situation. I'm going, man, oh man, what are they gonna? How are they gonna manage to ice a really competitive team next year with Oshi on on that roster for a high amount? I mean, the roster actually now isn't that bad. Um, e- even going in and looking at it um, today, it, it's still. I mean, even if they lost all of the goals from Oshi and Williams, they'd still have a great overall goal differential. I mean, that's how good they were this season. But, Ryan, who on the roster is a bit of a passenger? I mean, which guys really what I think should be good and don't look good, and, and maybe the opposite as well? Which guys that maybe don't always look the best or have actually been pretty productive? Okay, so yeah, so in terms of passengers, um, I mean, obviously Tom Wilson, you know, not, not great. Um, you know, I know I know he's only 23, and, you know, I think there's a fair divide, and I see a lot of Capitals fans, like, you know, eager to defend him on Twitter and everything. But, um, I mean, at this point, you know, unless, you know, I think he would surprise a lot of people by making some kind of leap next season. But, I mean, I think he is who he is at this point. Um, Brett Conley also graded out as a a passenger, which I was kind of surprised about. Because I've liked some of his numbers over the last couple of years, I thought he's, he was kind of an underrated uh, move that they made. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not sure if it was just you know the team, the line mates he played with, or maybe how he was used. But um, you know, so that gave me a little pause looking at that. Um, you know, maybe he's not as influential in terms of how he contributes as, as maybe I previously thought. Yeah, you know, you you look at him and it's tough because I kind of thought he was a big he was a big part of that really productive third line um, for the middle part of this season, and playing alongside uh, Lars Eller and Andre Burakovsky. And you know, looking back at the year, I mean, the Capitals benched him in the playoffs. He he really he was a complete non-factor in the whole Pittsburgh series because he he didn't sniff the ice. Um, maybe after game one, but the Capitals ended up going seven defensemen because they just weren't happy with what they were seeing. Uh, from him, so I believe he's going to be back in Washington next year. But I, I don't, based upon those stats, I don't, I don't know if he really should get an increased role. Maybe he, he's a good third line guy, and uh, they should stick him there. But yeah, I mean that that might be a ceiling at this point. I mean he's twenty five, so 
you know, at this he's point. Not, he's not getting better. Right, he's not getting better. He is who he is. You know, maybe, you know, maybe they can <clears throat> move people around in their lineup. Um, you know, put him with at least one other player that you know is going to be a driver of play. But, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. You know, I'm not sure if that's what they want to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. But uh, they can probably replace him no problem on the cheap, you know, depending on what he's looking for. And Now, Ryan, Ryan I want to go going back to the team level here, and I'm, I'm going to get a bit um, ethereal. So when we when we look here at these stats, and you see that the Capitals had a good play style, you know they they played the right way, um, so to speak. I mean, is that because of the composition of the roster, or do you think it's because the coach? I mean, where where do you really fall on that? I mean, obviously it's a bit of both, but what do you think when you're you're trying to figure out how to assess these stats? Well, I mean, when you're looking at specifically Washington, I mean they've been good for how long, right? So. You know, I don't think Barry Trotz is certainly, you know, the answer as to why they're performing so well. I think there is a lot of talent on the roster. I think, you know, getting Oshie, getting Williams, I mean, those are certainly talented players. Um, but I also think their defense is probably, this season, probably deeper than it's been in a really long time, I think. Certainly. I mean, you might, you, you, might, you might have better recall with some of the teams from a while ago, but, um, you know, I mean, Schmidt, you know, getting Orlov back was huge. Obviously, you know Schmidt also, you know, is probably maybe still a little underrated mm-hmm. um, in the community. I think both of those guys, you know, getting Shattenkirk at the deadline and then Tapa Niskanen, um, you know, Carlson certainly, you know, a good player. Um, you know, and it, losing Alsner isn't gonna, you know, I don't think anyone's gonna miss him. No, and I, I mean, if they if they could find a way to you know, find someone, like, trade or pick to somebody. Because, you know, with all these, you know, old-school hockey guys and teams, somebody, somebody somewhere, wants. somebody somewhere, if they found out or pick was available, would probably start drooling themselves. So, it's, you know, if they could find a way to move him and either keep Shattenkirk or, you know, make a play for somebody else, then, you know, I think that would be just that much better for them. And, you know, it's gotta be it's gotta be really tough to be a Caps fan, but um, you know, I I do think that if they could, like, if I were Brian McClellan right now, I would find out what I could get for Alex Ovechkin in a trade. He had his uh, meeting yesterday with the yeah. media, and, and you know, said it has to be a hockey trade. They're not they're not just looking to get rid of him. So. Um, it's interesting. Sure. I mean, you're talking about Ovechkin. You're talking about the face of the franchise, and there's all, all that stuff would play into it. Yeah, I mean, you can't trade a guy like Ovechkin without getting ownership fully behind it. I mean, that, obviously, he, obviously I mean, he's yeah. the guy who fills the without Ovechkin. This podcast probably wouldn't be here right now. You know, that, that's the kind of. <laughs> I mean, that really that's the effect he had on he had on Washington sports. I mean, the Capitals were a boring franchise. That had mm-hmm. that, you know don't, didn't do anything in the playoffs, and now they're an exciting franchise that still doesn't do anything in the playoffs. All right, it, it, you have to have one of those two things at least, and because right. of Ovechkin, the Capitals have one. So, right, and he he's been you know generational talent, but he's also 31, and players that rely heavily on their their shot volume, you know that does tend to uh, deteriorate faster than you know playmaking ability. Yeah, he he. And, Backstrom will age way better than him. 
Exactly, exactly. And you can find players to put alongside backs from that, you know, won't perform like Ovechkin, obviously, but, you know, for $9.5 million, you know, you can probably fill out your roster, and uh, I think they'd be better for it. Um, so, you know, that that's probably the move I would make, um, depending on, obviously, what the return is, but I'm sure someone somewhere would uh would make that mistake of, of trading giving up a haul for him so yeah you know you'd have to get a lot for ovechkin i i, I think that we kind of the guy scored 50 goals a year ago <laughs> so i mean he he could, he could do it again next year um but as you said he's he's on the wrong side of 30 uh his shot volume drop has been dropping off he i mean he, he wasn't getting the minutes this year either um and you got a guy, a couple young guys that can come up and maybe do some damage. Um, I really do think that Burakovsky. I think you had, you said he was on the upper end of your balance tier. I think Sean Tierney had him as a shooter when he pulled your data. Um, so he's just a younger guy. I mean, he generates a, a ton of individual shot attempts, and I think he's going to do great in that top six minutes. And hopefully, he will because the Capitals are going to need him to take on a larger scoring share. Um, with Ovechkin continuing to age, because uh, honestly, while while like it might be the right thing to do on paper, and and I do think trading Ovechkin would would be the right thing on paper, I just don't see it happening. It, it's so hard to. No, uh, yeah, I mean, do it, it. in in all likelihood, it won't. But uh, but I mean, that's the move that they should make at this point because um, I, I just think you know for the for what they're paying him and in the diminishing return they're slowly going to start getting. Uh, I think that that's the smart play. Um, Burakovsky, I did just check. Uh, yeah, he's he's a balanced player. So I know I reran this when we got a bunch more data. So I mean, it's possible maybe he was really close on the edge and shifted a little bit. So um, I don't even remember which one of those two things is technically better. I, I know uh, <laughs> uh, what, which one. Which one do you want more of? What's the line composition with a balanced guy? What, what's uh, well, I, the I think shooter was slightly better. In terms of you know when that they're on the ice, what their expected goal rate was, but balanced, I think uh, had better like synergies with other players. Um, you could play; uh, they had more flexibility to play up and down the lineup. And if you had three balanced players together, um, the expected goal differential was better than if you had three shooters together. So um, I think in the right environment, you want to put a shooter in there, but um, you're not going to be successful if you don't have some of those balanced players to you know, filling around some of the players that while very can be very deadly and very, uh, you know, integral to your success, um, can't do as much to facilitate offense as a balanced player. So, I mean, the Capitals, everything they have on paper, I mean, we don't, uh, let's move away from talking about, I mean, I love your piece, Ryan, but you're a great hockey guy to have to just talk, you know, not you're not one of those like 1,000 hockey guys that approved of the PK Subban trade, but you're you're one of those guys <laughs> who actually knows what he's talking about. So sometimes, I mean, besides trading Ovechkin, I mean, what what would you do if you're Brian McClellan? I mean, would you look for a coaching change? Are you looking to? I mean, I mean, what are you doing? Well, I mean, you probably know Barry Trotz a little. You know, you pay more attention to all of his moves. Um, I did see. Did he scratch Schmidt in one or two of the playoff games this uh, year? I thought he. Schmidt probably would not have cracked the lineup if Alsner hadn't gotten hurt. Uh, he he went yeah, into the so, playoffs as seven. Yeah, so I see right there that's a mistake. And, um, you know, like the coach, you know, and there's actually there's something I'm writing a little bit about coaching and, and things in the NHL that, 
uh, I hope to put out next week. But <clears throat> I think a lot of coaches, um, they, they, they can be very effective if someone else handled the lineup, right? So, like, I, I, I don't think, you know, if you poll 200 analysts, I don't think anyone puts Alsner ahead of Schmidt in the lineup. And, you know, so it's, it's little things like that. So it's like, all right, if, if they can't, you know, using all the data and everything we know, um, you know, if, if, if a coach can't put out his, you know, objectively his, his best lineup, right, then what other things behind the scenes maybe are we not, that, that maybe we don't see, um, are they not doing that gives his team the best chance of winning? And so, you know, does he the coach go? I don't know. I mean, they've had two wildly successful seasons. They've run into two, you know, incredibly talented Penguins teams. So, yeah, I, I think that's a bit harsh. But I also think that, you know, like many coaches, there's there's plenty of warts over, you know, how they, you know, handle their, uh, um, you know, their roster, their lineup. And, you know, you just wonder what other decisions they're making that, that maybe we wouldn't agree with. That, uh, you know, maybe we have data for to, to question, for example. So, um, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, I would, might just take maybe a little bit more hands-on approach and, and if I were Brian McClellan of talking to him about, okay, well, why, you know, why are we playing Carl Osner? And if McClellan, McClellan isn't, you know, if he was on board with that, well, you know, then, then you might expect some of those mistakes to continue. I mean, they did sign Brooks Orpik, so. Yeah, my my feeling is McClellan's wasn't a hundred percent on board with that stuff. I mean, he did bring in Mike Weber uh, last season, and that obviously didn't end up well uh, with Barry Trotz choosing to use him in the playoffs and Weber making a big mistake that led to uh, an overtime game-winning goal for the Penguins. But uh, all in all, the whole team is uh, he the, Weber was supposed to be the seventh man and. I guess at some point, uh, I say it frequently on the show, that sometimes you want your general manager just not to give uh, the coach a toy you don't want him to play with. You know, right. to, to take yeah. take it out of his hands by just not, not giving him the guys you don't want him to, to use. Um, right. And sometimes I'm not sure that the Caps have done that, but at the same time, you know, the coach is probably going to catch on eventually that you're screwing with him by, by not uh, giving him those guys. Let's talk about the intangible stuff here. I mean, how, how do you quantify the Capitals' inability to advance in the playoffs? I mean, McClellan came out yesterday and said that he thinks that that did play a role, that the team's psyche just isn't where it needs to be. I mean, how how would you measure something like that in your analysis? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why you even say that unless, you know, and, well, to me when someone says that, it, it sounds like they don't have answers themselves, so they're kind of deferring to some, you know, amorphous, you know, um, you know, fate or or something like that. Like it, the Capitals are a very good hockey team, right? They have been a very good hockey team for a while, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are also a very good hockey team. And they lost in six games last year. Um, you know, when the Penguins were, were I think people would say they probably were the better team last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they lost in seven games in a series that they they likely should have won. And, um, you know, these things happen. They, you know, they lost in seven games, what, uh, was it eight years ago? My God. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> it, 
it, it's it's tough because like I was actually looking at all their playoff matchups, their playoff series, like from like that 09 series. I mean, it was basically Pittsburgh and Lundquist that have knocked them out every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the one sweep they had uh, that weird, yeah, that Tampa year. Um, you know, Guy Boucher, he just shows up every once every like seven years and has a good year or something. And uh, um, so, I mean, you know, it's it's small sample sizes. It's it's running into the best goalie in the game. You know, four or five years in between running into the best offense in the game, the best offensive player in the game, and uh, you know, the other three years. So, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of shitty luck in those matchups because, I mean. Sometimes just making it to the final, I mean, you have a pretty easy road. And, you know, that really hasn't happened with the Capitals. But at the same time, um, you know, you do have to, if you want to win these knockout-style tournaments, you know, you do have to beat the best teams eventually, most of the time. So so, so um, what, what else can you do besides just taking another kick at the can? I mean, uh, I, I know if you look at the percentages, it's something... Like, the Capitals, the, the chance that they weren't able to advance out of the second round in each of these years they've made the playoffs, it's, it's astronomically small. It's like 2 or 3%. Like They're, well, they're really yeah, like defying it, the odds. Right, yeah, and, and you don't want to overdo it. Like, you know, they had, was it the year they got halocked? You know, they, they basically, yeah. what, wasted two to three years because of how they switched from Dale Hunter to Adam Oates. And, you know, so those are wasted years because when they overreact, you don't want to do that again. But, you know, this team, you know, this was probably their probably their most complete team, I think. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, so you want to keep that intact and really just improve, you know, a little bit in the margins if you can. Um, you know, does that, you know, maybe the coach, does he need to do something? Does he need to prepare a little bit better for a playoff series? You know, maybe. But uh, at the same time, I don't think... They need to overreact, and, you know, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear, oh, well, you know, we just need to keep going, and we'll get our shot, we'll break through eventually. But, you know, they've been the best team for, for a while now and uh, in the league in the regular season. And, you know, it, but people seem to diminish that so much, and I just I think it's, I think it's a little silly. Um, but, uh, you know, shit happens in small samples. Um, it, it it's a tough one to take. Like I said, it it must be really tough to be a Capitals fan. So it, it, it's it's never boring. Um, there's always something to talk about in Caps Land. But the uh, at some point it gets a little tiring. You 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 just hope. I mean, personally, I've always wanted to see Ovechkin win. You know, I want to see the Capitals win, and I wanted sure. Ovechkin to be part of it. So it, it'd be weird for me to see them win without him. Or I mean, I'd still be elated. It'd be great. I mean, I'm a fan of the franchise first mm-hmm. but but you watch you know you watch a guy play his whole career and, and you can't help but kind of kind of root for him especially when you have to hear him get shat on at every turn about one thing yeah. or another i mean it, it's not it must not be easy to be ovechkin uh i mean it, it obviously isn't the worst life in the world but for a guy that's that good at what he does he takes a lot of heat a lot of heat. yeah uh, i mean you know you know what i, I mean if they were going to do something i'd want to see him doing something like really innovative like you know, they're losing Shattenkirk, Alsner. You know, maybe find a way to get Brooks or pick off your roster. And, you know, you play with like three or four defensemen. And you, you know, you call up the Devils. You make a trade for Kovalchuk. And you just bring a ton of offensive talent to this team and just try to, you know, 
outscore everyone as much as you can and, and run like four forwards at five on five and and one defense back there or you know maybe you have one unit that's three forward two defensemen and the others are just way more offensive minded and you just play your strengths to the absolute extreme you can and um you know so i i would mind you know if they if they were going to do something do something to play to your strengths you know the last time they dramatically overreacted and try to turn Ovechkin into a checking winger. So, you know, which is just completely stupid. And, um, you know, if you're going to react, you know, if you're going to overreact, I should say, then then play to your strengths rather than doing anything else. Otherwise, you just fill in the roster and you have another solid year next year and maybe you don't run into Pittsburgh and maybe, you know, Matt Murray or Marc-Andre Fleury are the one that, you know, uh, plays like crap. So. I mean, does it does it really matter? I mean, if you're the Capitals, you play Murray last year; he was pretty good. You play Flurry this year; he was pretty good. But then they, you know, then they benched him, and now Murray's looking looking great as well. So um, sometimes it just feels like the Capitals can't, can't; they can never get every piece at once. Um, I really thought this year the only thing they missed in the playoffs was goaltending in the second mm-hmm. round. Um, there were I, I did think that there were a couple miscues um, defensively. We saw, I mean, the coaching miscue was definitely putting Carl Alsner out with Brooks Orpik at the same time. I don't know how a coach could ever think that was a good idea. Um, and well, then that's part of, like, issues, like, at yeah. large with, with hockey in general. But, I mean, so even, you know, someone who's thought of as a really good coach, is, and I think most people think of Barry Trotz as a good coach, um, you know, they still do things like that that you're like, what? Like, like why? why would you do that? And... So I don't know. Maybe yeah. some someday we're going to get the game we deserve, but it's not <laughs> not yet. So I, I mean, you look at Ovechkin gets all the flack for never making it out of the second round, but Trotz has been around a lot longer, and he's never made it out either. So uh, they're two right. peas in a pod, and uh, hopefully together they can get something done next year. And m- my gut feeling is that if the Capitals start slow, um, there will be a coaching change. Uh, that's a hundred percent like just gut feel. Um, they they decide not to extend his contract this year, so he's just signed for next season. And with those guys, I feel like the leash is short. Um, yeah, but but you know what? If that's the case, then just get rid of him now. I, I agree, but I just you don't. Know? I just don't feel like that's what they wanted to do. Uh, I, I think there's plenty. There's plenty of good coaches out there. They could snap up. You know, Jim Montgomery from Denver just won a national championship. Um, you know, there's there's other coaches that. You know, they could they could find um, that you know either more progressive or just you know a breath of fresh air and you know just if if you're not like because to me that tells me you're not totally convinced and if you're not like you should never do something especially in a position like that like that you're not entirely convinced of because then you're not putting out the best team the best or you know coaching staff that you feel gives you the best chance to win and I think that. As a GM, that that's on you 100%, and that's just really not, really not good at all for for your roster or for you know for you as your future job prospects either. But they like their assistants. I mean, they they've got stuff here where they could do a turn if they wanted to. Um, I mean, you've got Todd Reardon's been getting interviewed for jobs the last couple of years. Uh, yep. I mean, I mean, they've got stuff they can go right, and I think if the Capitals start well, if they play well. Um, they'll just stick with Barry and Trotz, and it will be fine. And uh, I mean, the guys won back-to-back Presidents trophies here, but I, I go and you, I look at the roster on the Capitals, and I don't necessarily think that's that big of an a reach. You know, I mean, that roster was great last year, and it was good the year before as well. Um, 
I mean, maybe the Capitals could have gotten more points during the year if Nate Schmidt had had a bigger role. I mean, the pairing of... Yeah. I mean, they're going to have a good top four next year. You're going to have Orlov and Niskanen and uh, Carlson and Schmidt. I think that's a great top four. That, 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 Absolutely. That, that's yeah. probably still one of the better top fours in the league. Um, it's, yeah, it's definitely up there. Yeah, the third pairing might kind of struggle, but... I mean, Chicago won championships on two, like, one-and-a-half D pairings. So, uh, it can be done. So... Ryan, I really do appreciate you coming on and talking to me a little bit about this hockey team and uh, how we can use your work to kind of better understand what the, what they can do and, and uh, what really went down in that series against the Penguins. Yeah, I'm, well, Capitals fans know exactly well what went down. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, we, we've seen it a few <laughs> times before. Thank, Ryan, you're so... Uh, so gentle. With, with your... uh, you know, well, you know, as a Devils fan, you know, we haven't had a whole lot to... Um, you know, cheer for whatever the last, you know, was it five? Yeah, five years ago. Damn, five years ago they went to the final. So Well, the Capitals uh, have done that, what, once? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, it's all it's all relative to your experiences as a fan. But uh, you guys won the lottery. You guys are, are, are Taylor Hall's lottery champions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, does anybody, you think anybody wants to hear about that? Should we talk about that? Probably not. Uh, you know, Ryan, I'd love to have you back on to do the New Jersey Devils preview. <laughs> we actually, no, I'm not being, being serious. We did this last no, year. I know, we did it last P- year. A lot of people came on and listened. It was actually one of our most listened to, uh, I think it was our most listened to preview episode, actually. People people really wanted oh. to hear about the Devils. God forbid. I have no idea why. They probably just want to listen to you talk, not the Devils. But You know, the Devils are one between this expansion draft and the lottery pick and the offseason of free agency. They are one solid summer away from making a lot of people look stupid and that's all i'm gonna say how's it gonna make people look stupid though i i they because everyone everyone craps on them they think they're terrible they're not so. terrible they're just not that exciting you know hall gets hurt a lot if hall was healthy more he looks great when he's in the lineup just sucks yeah. he's hurt i know well we'll have to continue this discussion off air but um, okay all, all of our listeners should should go and find you on twitter at rk underscore stimp um ryan i really appreciate you coming on man sure buddy anytime all right on behalf of myself and ryan thanks for listening to this episode of japers rink radio we'll have another one for you guys soon